Hello, everybody. Welcome to How Leaders Lead, where every week you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I break down the key learnings so that by the end of the episode, you'll have something simple you can apply as you develop into a better leader. That's what this podcast is all about. And today's guest is Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's one of my favorite leaders. And if you know anything about Tom Brady, you know he's incredibly disciplined. I mean, his nutrition, his fitness, his training, his prep, his mindset. The guy is just relentless about it all. And that hard work is a huge reason why he's the greatest of all time, the GOAT. But here's what a lot of people miss. And I want to make sure that you don't miss it. What we're really seeing when we see Tom's work ethic is someone who has said, I am willing to back up my goals with disciplined actions. In the NFL and in business, everybody wants to win. I mean, duh, right? But not everybody is willing to work hard in order to win. But Tom is. His actions prove just how committed he is. He walks the talk day in and day out, off the field and on the field. It sets him apart as a leader, and it's the big takeaway for you today. As a leader, do you back up your goals with disciplined action? So here's my conversation with my good friend and soon to be yours, Tom Brady. Well, everyone has their own style and their own way of leading. And today's guest, Tom Brady, the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, the GOAT is definitely the best leader that I have ever talked to in my life. And he's a leader who leads by example. Tom, thanks so much for being such a good friend. And, and thanks so much for taking the time to have this conversation. I appreciate you having me. I'm um, a little bit flattered and obviously humbled by, uh, you know, the greatest leader you've ever met, because you've met a hell of a lot of great people, a lot of them that I know very well. So yeah. I'll settle for pretty good and, and still working to become better. So that's kind of how I see it. You know, before we get into this, you met two very special people uh, about, I think it was two years ago, and they're in my office right now listening to this podcast, my granddaughters, Audrey, <laughs> come over here real quick, and, and Claire, say hello uh, to Mr. Brady. Hi, girls. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> they, they're, they're still telling everybody they know Tom Brady. That's great. You know? uh, how cute. Well, Tom, you know, I'm going to leave all the sports questions to ESPN. And I want to hone in on, you know, what I know is one of our favorite subjects. And that's basically leadership. And, yeah. you know, everyone in the world knows you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer now. And, and how have you gone about establishing yourself as the, the leader on the team? Yeah, it's always, um, you know, it's the first time I've transitioned into a new place in my career and obviously into a new locker room. And if there's one thing about playing the quarterback position, in my view, uh, there's a few things. Can you think? Can you throw? And can you lead? And I think leading is probably number one. And, it, and then it goes, how do, how do you do that? Because in the end, you, you know, you call a play in the huddle. You have command. Everyone's looking at you. You have always have the opportunity to communicate with the other guys. And that's a, that's a lot of responsibility. And the more responsibility I have, that's, that's kind of the way I like it. Um, because I'm able to discuss with the guys, whether it's in a meeting room or in a locker room, I'm able to lead on the field. Um, 
verbally, non-verbally. And really, I'm trying to make sure we're all on the same page, always going in the in the right direction. And that's how things work the best. It's a choreography. It's an orchestra. Um, you know, it may look like we're just throwing a ball around, but there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of communication involved in that. You know, I always think that leaders are the best orchestra conductors. It's interesting to hear you talk about that. You got to get everybody in rhythm, right? Yeah. And everybody's got a different skill set and everyone's yeah. job is a little bit different. So uh, nobody can throw the football in me, but I rely on everybody else to do their job. And the worst thing to do is try to do everyone else's job because <laughs> then you don't do your job. Right. And it's hard enough to do your job and do it well. You really need to get everyone else on the same page with the right type of direction. Because A, if you give them the wrong direction, that's a problem. If you give them no direction, that's another problem. Hopefully, you can give them the right direction. I think I really, what's allowed me to do that is a lot of years of experience and a lot of years in this position and learning and growing over the years and trying to now go into a new environment with 20 years of knowledge a little bit of wisdom and trying to go in there and give guys exactly what I think they need to be successful based on all my years of experience. You know, it's interesting you say that when a leader goes into a new company or you change jobs, you know, it always represents a, a chance to basically have a fresh start and, and maybe do some things differently. Is there anything you're doing differently coming into this new role uh, than maybe what you were doing before based on past learnings? I think for me, it's probably efficiency. So I, I'm pretty much know what works and what doesn't work, whether that's a physical trait, whether that's a, a way of learning something, um, what's sustainable and what's not over the course of a season. Um, it's one thing to do well for one week, but you really need to do well for six months. And how do you keep up that focus, that discipline, that determination over a long period of time. And I competed with so many different athletes. I've competed against so many different athletes. I have a pretty good idea of knowing what it takes and what in the end uh, is sustainable and good. And then sometimes you can be good, but it's a little bit lucky and that's okay too. But the, and you're going to need luck. Certainly in, in pro football, you do. I'm sure in any business, you need some luck too. But I think the best thing you do is stack the odds in your favor as much as possible. And if you have a really good process, there's degrees of positive results that can add on top of one another. And that's where you really see a great benefit over the course of a long season. It reminds me of that old saying, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get, you know, which is, which is true, you know. And, and what's been the biggest challenge for you, Tom, as you, as you come in as the new guy on the block? Well, I think that I, physically, you know, I'm a little bit older now. I'm not calling myself old because I still feel like I'm in the <laughs> second quarter of my life. Um, for football years, I'm definitely old. But um, I'd say mentally it's been more – I, I, I kind of knew it was going to be a challenge just because I had known – one way for so long, one way of doing things, one way of calling things. I didn't study my playbook for 19 years. I knew my playbook. I was a part <laughs> of every single discussion of why things were called the way they were and why we did things the way we did. And then you go to a new place like I am now, and I'm just trying to learn the way that the guys on the team knew from last year. And part of that is just a challenge for me. It's very much, I would say, like learning a new language. You speak English your whole life, and then all of a sudden you learn Spanish and you go, wait a minute, I've never, you know, <laughs> kind of done anything like this. But, you know, you just got to work hard and you got to put the time and energy and it's certainly not impossible, but it is a challenge and you want to be able to speak. You know, it's one thing to know Spanish in a classroom. It's another thing to be down in a Spanish speaking country and trying to be fluent 
and, you know, perform at a high level. So I'm trying to get to that point. And then amidst kind of the last uh, challenging six months for all of us, that we had no practices, limited communication. And, you know, the learning is really trying to be accelerated now. You left the Pats after being there for 20 years. Uh, what signal should uh, a leader look for that should say, hey, maybe it's time to make a change? Well, in in my time with the Patriots, there's nothing, you know, it was 20 great years. You know, my situation, I had a, you know, my contract was up and it was the first time that I had an opportunity to choose my own, what I, w- what I was looking for. And, um, you know, it's a tough decision to leave a place you're so familiar with, especially a place you've had so much success with. Um, but it just became a personal choice that I had to make. And, you know, I leave behind, I, I left, I think, on a great terms on a great note um, with great appreciation for everything that New England had taught me. And I had grown from a 22-year-old, 23-year-old kid into, you know, really a 43-year-old man that is now trying to go somewhere else. I still have things I want to achieve and accomplish in this sport. And I felt like Tampa gave me the best opportunity to do that. And that's why I chose, that's why I chose Tampa. Yeah, great, great. You know, a lot of leaders when they make the move, they bring in someone they know that they could really count on. And what kind of influence did you put on having uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, join you, uh, you in the Bucks? And and how's it feel to have a familiar face like uh, like his in the in the huddle? You know, first of all, to see him back on the football field, I think every not just me, but every fan's going to love that because absolutely the guys, uh, the greatest tight end to ever play the game, and you know, for him not to be out there last year. I mean, I, I think he's so great. I love seeing people who are great at things do what they love to do. So to have him come out of retirement and then for him to want to come play in Tampa and for Tampa to want him to play for us, it, it all worked out. And it was a very unique situation. And for me, I think the, the best part is I have a lot of reps already in with Rob. You know, I've, we've already seen so many different things together. We sat in the same meeting room for so many years. He knows what I'm looking for. I know what I'm looking for in him. So again, you don't have to make up any ground. I think there's a lot, there's so many talented players on this team, but in the end, we haven't had the experience together. And if I don't do a good job and the rest of the guys don't do a good job, it's not going to matter. Or if they do a good job and I don't, you know, we're going to have a problem. So the reality is we all have to do a good job and that's going to be a lot of practice, gonna be a lot of meetings. It's just time, energy, effort, doing the right things and repeating the good habits daily that are going to lead us to have a successful season. Because yes, there are degrees of luck, but like I said, you need to do just like in the family, just like in business, sports are the same thing. You don't have to be perfect, but it has to be a lot more good than bad. And you have to work every day at trying to be a little bit better and a little bit better. And that really comes from having very clear, very current communication, you know, this is the issue. This is what we face. This is not personal. This is, I love you as a guy, but we need to improve this as a football player. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of that. And we've got a lot of ground to make up because again, we didn't really have much to do. No practices the last four months. Right. How much pressure do you feel, Tom? You know, as you come in, it's the superstar, you're supposed to come in, take the team to the promised land. How much pressure do you feel personally? And how do you handle that kind of stuff? You know, I think I'm pretty used to it. Um, it's a really great question because you do feel it. There's two different ways. I'd say you feel the expectation that you, I want to be the Tom Brady that these guys have seen. 
And in order to do that, I need to feel like I'm 100% confident in who I'm playing with, what I'm doing, uh, because I want the same thing as them. And the expectations are very high based on past results for both of us. And I've around some very successful coaches. I've had, like I said, very um, successful players, guys that have been there Pro Bowl. And now we have to figure out how to come together in a short period of time and make it happen, develop trust to develop dependability and consistency. And there's really no days off. So I think the pressure is just every moment that goes by, you feel like you should be gaining ground. And I think today is, you know, our, our first real day off. Um, I did some work this morning and I feel like, okay, at least I have the afternoon off to kind of refresh my mind a little bit, but you're right. I, there is a lot of pressure. You feel that I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to be right back on that hamster wheel and we're going to be cranking. And this is a huge week because we're not going to get this week back yeah. and we're going to have to make improvements for this week so we can be ready for next week. And then if we're good next week, we're going to be ready for the next week. And before you know it, the first game is going to be here. And that's when you get uh, your, your first test. You know, Tom, given what you've gone through, what advice can you give to others now on how to work through anxiety of moving into a new situation? For me, the first thing I had to do is to, to listen and to learn. And I think that's the way to approach it is not to go in here and be stubborn or this is the way I've done things. You know, you listen, you learn. And at the same time, you have to assert your self, but in a way that others are going to trust you. And that's to be caring. You've always said, which I've always taken from you, but recognition, how important that is into what other people are doing, because this team has done great things. This team has done some really great things. And if I can bring the knowledge that I have, the experience that I have to this position, I feel like it can improve everybody. And that's the urgency that we all face. It's one thing to talk about. It's another to do it. And right. I think any leader, any CEO of any business, anyone in a leadership position, it's all going to be results-based. Right. And you're going to, you know, in sports, the, you know, there's a scoreboard. So <laughs> you get to look up at the end of every week and figure out whether you did good or bad. Yeah, I know. I remember looking at those same store sales every day too, you know, the same way <laughs> you do. You've been an acknowledged leader on every team you've ever been on, really. And so I know a lot's expected of you, but how do you go about getting ready to give the motivational speech? Because you got to be called on to do that every now and then. Yeah, you do. And I think that's, you know, guys are looking for that because, you know, a lot of these guys are half my age and literally half my age. <laughs> um, and I want to help them be the best they could be. And I think that's part of why I still play is um, I have, there's a lot of gratification I get from seeing other people do well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when, when I've had so many other people in my life help me do well, I learn from them. And they have years of experience. They give me wisdom. And then I've got to apply that wisdom to people in my life. And that's how, that's how you do make the world, uh, you know, a better place. Because you yeah. deal with people who are, have great integrity. Um, they have great knowledge. And they give you great advice. And use that advice. And then, you know, it, it affects other people in their life. You never know who you're affecting. And, you know, I've had people say, man, that, those, that thing you said to me when we first met, that was really important. And I'm thinking in my life, wow, that was just an interaction we had. And to them, <laughs> it meant a lot more than that. I think yeah. that's still a very cool thing for me. When you have a motivational speech to give, Tom, do you, do you, does it come from the gut when you're there? Or, did, or, or have you thought about it? Or is, just, is it a combination of both? Maybe a combination of both. But I'm trying to, you know, 
I'm trying to make it pertinent to the situation. Right. And, you know, however I'm feeling, um, I'm trying to get something useful that they can really apply. Because, you know, some of it, you might, it might be more emotional, but I like to think more emotion and tactics. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if you don't think about the tactics and emotion, it's not sustainable. Right. You know, it's always about a better process. Sometimes the right knowledge helps the better process. And when you do that with emotion, that's really a great speech. Right. Right. Um, you know, so I'm always trying to think about it as how does it relate to what we're trying to achieve? You know, speaking of speeches, I understand you gave the commencement to the Foreman Prep School, uh, which is students with learning disabilities. Uh, and, you know, what was your most important message to them? The, the most important message was to, you know, don't ever let anyone tell you what you can or can't achieve. You know, because there's so many people who tell you and if you listen to the media and you listen to what's on TV and, you know, everyone tries to limit what your potential could be. And I always think when I was young to be in the position I'm in, to be on my 20th year in the NFL, no one in, in their wildest dreams would have thought in high school that Tom Brady could accomplish that as I move into my career, not even in college. And I didn't think that way. My parents never said to me, well, Tom, that, that's going to be too much because they were trying to protect me. You know, my mom and dad always said, you can do it. You know, you, you can achieve that. You know, where do you want to go to college? I said, well, I want to go to mission. You're going to go to college and you're going to be great. And I thought, man, I am going to be great. And then I always thought, well, I'm going to go to pro football. And I was around people that said, no, you know, you can do it. You can, you know, you can go play pro football. And I believed that I started to believe I really could. Then I got to pro football and I was like, I can, you know, I could do this. And then I had coaches <laughs> that empowered me to do it. And I think so many times we look at these odds and they're really against us. And what are the chances of, of this Tom Brady, this kid from San Mateo, Portola Drive that could achieve what I've achieved? I mean, it's, there's not many, yeah. you know, and, but at the same time, if you start thinking about, you know, your backup plan, you know, you're never going to accomplish what you really set out to. And that's pick something you love to do. And then go at it every day and be the very best you could be at it and learn and grow and never stop learning. And, and that's, you know, that's been so important for me over the years is to find people and great mentors. Um, my dad has been a great, uh, you know, he's been my idol in my life. He's been someone I've looked up to in everything I've ever done. And you just follow great men and, you know, great women, you know, for the women that are listening, you find people that you really, that speak to you. And then, you go out there and you give great energy and great effort and you see what you can make of it. Tom, I always love how you're trying to up your game. Uh, tell us about the relationship you have with your throwing coach, Tom House, and what makes him such a great coach? Well, he keeps it pretty simple. And, you know, we worked together for about six or seven years now, and he's been a huge help with my mechanics. Um, and that's, you know, it does, those are all very uh, – technical things you know it's again i'd say for all the golfers out there and i you know we've been partners in our in our lives together you and i <laughs> right you know it's it's a golf's a technical game but the more technically sound you are the greater chance you have a success certainly under pressure so you know football is the same way uh when the margin of error is very slim when you play the best teams you don't have a lot of margin of error so you've yeah. got to be very technically sound and that's just repetitive daily work on the right fundamentals and techniques. And if your techniques and fundamentals are wrong, then 
you know, I don't believe it's going to last over a period of time. And the more you work at those things, you're, the more you're going to improve at them. You know, you seem to constantly define reality for yourself and, and strive to get better day in and day out. Every day you talk about, you know, how do you go about coaching yourself? You've had a lot of coaches, right? But yeah. How do you personally coach yourself? That's important. As I've gotten older, I think I've done a better job of that. I'm constantly trying to be self-aware of how I'm communicating and the reactions I'm getting back from my teammates, the reactions I'm getting back from my coaches, you know, from the, from a mental approach, from a physical approach. Um, I'd say technology has been very important and watching myself on video and seeing um, all the mechanics, um, the timing that go into passing the football. So the physical aspect, I try to be very aware. The mental aspect, I'm always trying to be, again, self-aware and gaining feedback from the people that I'm communicating with. Um, and then I'm just trying to every day wake up and you know, evaluate where I think I need to put my energy because I think you have your goals and then you, you make your priorities around your goals. And then the discipline really comes from, are you acting on your priorities? Because everybody mm -hmm. wants to win. And the question is, if, if winning is the goal, does your actions match your priorities? A lot of people say they want to achieve one thing, then they do the opposite. Right. Then you go, wait a minute, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. <laughs> if you want to be a great football player, you have to work at it. And working mm -hmm. at it physically and mentally are very important. Question is, when you wake up in the morning, are your actions reflecting what your priorities should be? Or maybe what you think your priorities are, they're actually different. And I think for me, I've wanted to be a great player and I've tried to really think about on a daily basis how I'm going to make that work. And then my actions always reflected what I wanted them to be. Hey, Tom, I just think you gave us a great motivational speech. Though. That was really terrific. I love that. You know, you know, all leaders and people come into business, they get put in these really tough uh, positions. And at one time or another, you have to perform in the clutch. You've done this time and time again. What can we learn from how you do it? Well, I don't think there's a special ingredient to that. I, I think that that's, you know, that's a lot. That's, that really comes down to preparation and being in the clutch and, you know, performing your best when the stakes are the highest, you know, really come down to your preparation on a year round basis. And I said this to my teammates the other day, the competition's already started. I know we don't have a game this week, but we're already competing. Right. And if you don't believe that you're competing, even when there's no scoreboard, you're wrong. And even in off season, when I'm working out and I got my helmet on and I got my shoulder pads and it's middle of April and we don't play a game for five months, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm beating the competition right now because I know they're not doing what I'm doing. And that gives me a lot of confidence in myself to know that, that again, my priorities are still being the best I could be for in this year, you know, for the Bucks because that's what they're counting on for me. And that's what I'm counting on for my teammates. You know, as a leader, what do you do, Tom, to fire up the troops when the momentum is going the wrong way? I think sometimes it's, again, you, it's, it's an evaluation of, you know, what's wrong with our process? You know, what, what, what's wrong? Is this bad luck? Because, look, there is bad luck. You know, you could do the right things and the other team can get lucky. That's just part of it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to change things. Sometimes the process might be bad and say, we really thought this was the way but it's wrong and we need to change our course of action. Great investors do that. You know, Stan <laughs> Druckenmiller's done that. Everyone always says his greatest trait was he knows right away when to cut his losses, right. you know, rather than to double down on mistakes. And I think that's, you know, 
there's a difference. I, my friend has always said, you know, my heart's in it, but my ego's not. And I think that's really important because, you know, to double down on a mistake, it's going to dig a deeper hole. Nobody wants that to happen. And then let's say the momentum gets turned around and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you've got everything going for you. How do you capitalize on that momentum shift and, and keep people having that edge when, hey, you are kicking some butt? I mean, that's when you got to put the pedal to the metal. I think when things turn and they go your way, that's when you got to work. You know, you think you got to work twice as hard when things are not going right. You got to work five times as hard when things are going right. Because you don't know how long that's going to take. When this is your moment, you got to capitalize because you don't know if that moment's going to come around again. So I'd say, you know, look, we have a lot of momentum. We won the playoff game. We won the championship game. Now we're in the Super Bowl. I would say the momentum's going both both teams' way. Now, those two weeks before the Super Bowl aren't the time to relax. Those are the two weeks to work as hard as you could ever work. And every moment of those two weeks is the most intense week. And you're the most physically prepared, the most mentally prepared. Emotionally, you're in a great place to compete. And you got to go out there and give it everything you got. And there's such a heightened sense of focus when you have the momentum that that's what you got to really rely on. And then when the ball's kicked off, you got to go try to make it happen. And after that, you got to rest because you can't (laughs) keep that up forever. You're going to be you know, you're going to be, I'd finish, wake up five days later going, holy cow, what just happened those last two weeks? <laughs> I feel bad. It's your Saturday, your day off, and I've got you in here doing this podcast. Uh, you, know, you know, no matter how confident you may be, sometimes the uncertainty creeps in. What do you do to muster up the 100% commitment you've got to have to execute a play or, or do something? And you know, how do you get 100% committed? Well, whenever you're doing it, you got to be 100% committed. I think even if you lack a little confidence when you get on the field and it could be confidence in a player, it could be confidence in a play, or it could be confidence in yourself that when you're out there, that's a real challenge in your mind. You almost have to trick yourself to say, I am confident in myself. I am confident in this play. I am confident in this player, even though when you might not be a hundred percent. And I'd say that's, that that's a real difficult thing because, you know, you got to have the belief even when the belief may not entirely be there. And that's okay. It's, you're not supposed to have the belief hundred percent of the time. That's not the way life works. You, you, sometimes you go up against other things that maybe are a little bit better than you, but you know what, if you believe that you can achieve it and you find things you can believe in, then, you know, that's where upsets happen. And, you know, that's where you can overcome very difficult odds. We'll be back with the rest of my conversation with Tom Brady in just a moment. When you're a leader, people are watching you and they're paying more attention to what you do than you probably even realize. In my conversation with Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, you're going to hear how he's gained influence and become a leader simply by setting an example that others want to follow. I identify pretty quickly who the guys I should be following. I think as young people, you have to be able to see qualities that great leaders possess, and you have to be able to identify those and you watch them. There's so much for us to learn from Larry about how to lead by setting an example for others. Go back and listen to episode two with Larry Fitzgerald here on How Leaders Lead. All of us have been affected so much by COVID-19. 
How do you think the NFL is is handling the impact of COVID-19 and getting the players and you know everybody ready to, to go into this next season? I think they've done you know a really great job um, from the players union, um, the leadership at the NFL to provide you know as safe a working environment as possible. Understanding there's risks associated with everything we do. Certainly, there's risks to playing football right. for 20 years, and I think when you <laughs> understand that we all have risks and we make choices for our life every single day. And yeah. I think they've done a good job doing the best they could do, providing us with the right work environment so we can go in there and focus on what our job is. Tom, I, I read somewhere about you coming under a bit of criticism for leading some group workouts prior to the trading camp. What's your response to that? I'm sure all your receivers were at least six feet away from you. I know. Well, I think part of it is you got to weigh a risk reward always, you know, and not to say it's not an important time, but we also have a lot of work to do and to just completely um, ignore my job and then to actually have to come to work. I realized how far I would have been behind. So you take the necessary precaution. And I think all my teammates really did. I think we gained a lot of ground um, over the course of the spring when there was no travel, people weren't traveling around. Uh, but we took advantage of the opportunity that we had and we made the best of it. And I think that's all you can do is do the best you can do. We try to show up and give all that you got. And you know, I think we're in a good position now to hopefully go out there and compete. And what kind of impact do you think, Tom, that this the old plea for social justice is is having in locker rooms across the NFL? And how are you how are you trying to lead on this front? Well, I think for me, it's really been a time of, again, listening and learning and had a lot of great conversations with so many people that I played with, so many people I look up to and admire, um, understanding uh, the different circumstances of people's lives and gaining more empathy uh, and more compassion for the hardships that people face. Yeah. And I believe that everybody should have the opportunity um, to reach their fullest potential. And we need to do a great job empowering people to, to do just that. You know, Tom, it's always so much fun catching up with you and about ready to wrap this up. But I, I, I want to shift gears a little bit, just have a little fun with a lightning round of Q&A. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what's your style of leadership in, 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 in one word? Caring. And what three words best describe you? Discipline. Determined. And then there's four other ones, a pain in the ass. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? When people say, I get it before I finish something, before I finish my, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. What's something about you that few people would know? Wow. I, um, I don't have many hobbies. I mean, I think probably golf's my only hobby. <laughs> do, you say, do, do you have any hidden talents? No. Oh God. <laughs> and and what do you wish that people do about you that maybe they don't? I hope they can look at me and 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 you know think that they can achieve what they can in their life. You know, I think sometimes the media puts a perception out there that this was just you were born a certain way. Right. And I think how I feel about myself is that I'm trying to learn and improve every day. It's amazing to be Tom, you know, just how open you've you've been with me and how open you are in sharing your your insights and 
we we talked a little bit about pressure a little earlier. So I just back to the subject quickly here. You know, you, you really stuck your neck out as an amateur golfer when when you and Phil Mickelson took on Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning on behalf of COVID nineteen charities. You made a ton of money for them. And but what was it like being on national TV participating in a sport as an amateur? Man, that was that was tough. I it was tough because you're playing with two of the great players, uh, you know, in their generation, certainly Tiger and Phil are two guys that I've always looked up to and you're on their turf. And, um, needless to say, you know, my golf isn't where I was hoping it would be. And then add in the, the, the rain, the wind. Um, and then the first six holes of me, I don't know if I even finished a hole. (laughs) Uh, it was a really unique experience. I was trying to have fun with it. Um, I'm happy I didn't let my uh, my sailor's mouth, you know, kind of come out, <laughs> and I, I kept it together as best I possibly could. Yeah, you looked at the beginning; you were kind of having an out of body experience because you're a hell of a good golfer, you know. And I was thinking, geez, I hope he hits a good shot. And then all it took was Charles Barkley come in, start talking some trash, and you hole yeah. out a, a shot for an eagle. Uh, how much does having a competitor or someone cut you down? inspire you to up your game, no matter what it is. Always. I think that's, you know, a little hidden chip on everyone's shoulder that when people can give you that little bit of grief, you know, there's a little motivation and all that. So I think it's nice to have that internal motivation, but a little external motivation time to time is like a little icing on the cake. Knowing you like I do and playing with you, I knew when Barkley said this, you were going to stick it. I didn't know you were going to hold the damn thing out. That was amazing. And what's it like as as a leader? You know, when you're a leader and you're playing with guys like Phil and and Tiger and you meet other superstars in in many different vocations, what do you try to pick up from them? It's it's really an amazing thing, you know, to see – people that are so great at what they do. And again, it could be business. It could be sports. There's so many areas where people have incredible talents and, you know, that's just time to shut your mouth and learn. And (laughs) it's not your time to speak or just shut your mouth and watch other people who are incredible at what they do and try to learn something from them. And, Watching Phil prepare for that particular match was really cool What to watch how he got ready because his juices got flowing. Then to watch Tiger, I mean, Tiger, quick little story. I and mean, we were out on the range that day. So it was pouring rain that day um, of the match. And they said, we're all sitting in the clubhouse together. And they said, all right, you know, we're going to start in 45 minutes. Let's all go out to the range. Of course, we've all been sitting down for, you know, an hour. And we get out, we drive out to the range. It's a full storm. And Tiger grabs his wedge out of his bag and he's about 30 yards from one of the little practice pins. And he's got about six balls on the ground. And the first shot, he like opens the loft up on the club and hits this high arcing, you know, 30 yard wedge shot that stops a foot from the hole. And then with the same club, he closes the club face and skips one three times and stops by the hole. Then he hits like a normal, uh, trajectory shot to a foot from the hole. And I'm just watching him going, he hit six different shots, all with six different trajectories, spins with the same club in a torrential downpour after a sitting down for an hour. 
and all, all of them were, were spectacular. And at that moment I knew, oh my God, I'm in a lot of trouble today. <laughs> it's going to be a long day for me. You've also got your own brand. I mean, you know, you're a hell of a businessman and you know, you've got all kinds of different uh, things going and partners and you've started this brand TB12, great brand name. How's it doing? And, and what kind of leadership do you try to bring to that business? It's doing really well. And, you know, we've grown quite a bit over the last few years. Um, it was really inspired by my co-founder, Alex, who I work with, who's my body coach, and the work that he and I do together, the physical work that we prepare my body for football, the different treatments I receive, the pliability treatments I receive, as well as this holistic approach to, to life. And you've got to be able to prepare your body Certainly for me, I got to prepare it for my career and my job because that's what allows me to fulfill my dreams. Um, for a lot of people, they want to play better golf. They want to play with their grandkids. They want to run a marathon. And again, you got to make the right decisions in order to live an active life. So focusing on your workouts, focusing on what you eat, what you drink, and how you recover, all those things add up. And the more good you do, cumulatively, they add up. And you can live a healthy life, a long, healthy life doing the right things. If you make good choices, you can still do what you love to do for a lot longer. And I think part of that education that I learned when I was young, I want to pass that on to the next generation. And I don't see it as a business. I see it as a contribution. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to do my best to inspire others and to really show others the way that they too can achieve what they want if they make the right decisions. And I want to be able to provide them with the decision so they could live a healthy life. Well, I've enjoyed the TB12 brand myself. I've been to your, your retail outlets and uh, gone through some of the training and, and read your book. And uh, there's a lot of tremendous insight that you're offering. So you are making that contribution. Uh, what's the move to Tampa Bay been like for you and your family, Tom? Well, it's been, it's been great for our family. I think for probably a lot of families, the one thing to take from uh, the quarantining is the time together. And yeah. we're actually in a new place. So we haven't been able to explore the city much because a lot of things have been closed. But I would say we've loved the warm weather. We've loved our, our nighttime walks. We live right on this beautiful bay. So, you know, see dolphins and stingrays and, um, you know, amazing wildlife. So it's been a great move. Um, we've enjoyed it. Now it's time for me to really lock in on football season and focus where I really need to. And, you know, it's all been positive. Last question. How much fun are you having taking on this new challenge? I'm having a lot. I'm having a lot of fun. And it's really, um, I look forward to every day. When I wake mm -hmm. up in the morning, I feel like I have a lot to accomplish. And I wake up and I've had a bounce in my step and I drive into work. And from the moment I get there, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's a lot of focus and energy on getting ready to go. And uh, oh. there's a lot to it. There's a lot of getting to know people, getting to know routines, getting to know plays, uh, getting to know where the meeting rooms are. Um, but it's been a, a really enjoyable for me to take what I've learned from 20 years with the most incredible coaches and players that I played with and bring those to a new place and see how I can help this team be the best it can be. And I think that's where the challenge is. And that's what I'm looking forward to doing. 
Well, Tom, I'm a big time Tampa Bay Buck fan. And uh, I always hated the Patriots until I met you. Then I had I couldn't root against them, you know. But now I can go back to hating the Patriots and and rooting for the Bucks. Okay, <laughs> and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your leadership insights. You're one heck of a leader and one heck of a guy. And uh, thanks for all you're doing with TB12. And thanks for all you're doing to, to for all us football fans so we get so much joy out of watching you. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. I feel the same about you. Uh, you know that I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and I think if anybody knows leadership, it's you. And I think the contribution you're making and what this world needs is a lot of leadership. And uh, just by you doing what you're doing, um, like you said, everything's for charity and you're taking all your wisdom and all the great people, you know, and you're helping people all around the world. So I just want to say thank you for that. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, I got to tell you, I am absolutely mesmerized every time I get the chance to learn from Tom Brady. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation too, because believe it or not, there's more to come. Check out the feed for part two of my conversation with Tom Brady, episode 11. We talk about how he grew up and dig deeper into how he leads when things don't go his way. You know, it's kind of funny. Every week, I give you a specific way you can apply what you've just learned. And this week, it's really simple. I want you to listen to part two of my conversation with Tom. There's just so much leadership wisdom in it. You definitely don't want to miss it. If one of your goals is to grow as a leader, then listening to Tom's wisdom about leadership will definitely support that goal. Think about it. Tom has hit the gym for his goals. All you got to do is hit play. It's a small commitment, but that habit of investing in your leadership skills is going to give you a huge payoff. So do you want to know how leaders lead? What we learned today is that great leaders back up their goals with disciplined action. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where every Thursday you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I make it a point to give you something simple on each episode that you can apply to your business so that you'll become the best leader you can be.